Hi, welcome to another episode of Spud Chat. I'm Ryan Barrett with the Prince Edward Island Potato Board. Um, spring has sprung in PEI, or at least we're going to say that. Uh, most of the snow that we got on Monday seems to have disappeared, uh, at least in my neighborhood, so that's very encouraging. Uh, it's a bright, sunshiny day here in PEI, and I know our attention is starting to turn towards uh, the upcoming field season. Um, so... The next couple of episodes uh, may be a little bit uh, infrequent. We'll see how things roll um, as we're getting ready for field season. We're getting ready for next year's trials, um, following up with growers with some on-farm meetings. So we'll just have to see how uh, how things go in terms of when we can get episodes of Spud Chat out to you. But today's episode was one I recorded at the uh, International Potato Technology Expo, which was last week here in Prince Edward Island. And uh, we had uh, Michelle Conshu from University of Lethbridge uh, out to talk about uh, irrigation management. And so, you know, we have a number of growers here in PEI that irrigate. But just last year, uh, the PEI uh, government announced that they were going to be lifting the moratorium on high capacity wells. So there is going to be more interest and more exploration on uh, irrigation here in the next little while. So uh, we wanted to bring Michelle out to talk to growers a little bit about irrigation management, um, best methods, um, talking a bit about, you know, how do you measure soil moisture and variable rate irrigation and uh, types of irrigation and, and a lot of those different things. So I thought Michelle did a great job, had a lot of growers told me that they really enjoyed your presentation. Um, it will be available, the video of it will be available on our agronomy website before too long. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I was able to sit down at our booth and have a little bit of a chat with Michelle, uh, covering some ground on irrigation topics. As always, if you have any questions, uh, comments, uh, anything you want to hear on a future episode of Spud Chat, please feel free to drop me a line. A good way to get a hold of me, no matter where you're at, is through Twitter. It's rbarrettpei uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, let's uh, hear from Michelle Conshu. Welcome to Spud Chat from the floor of the International Potato Technology Expo in Charlottetown. Uh, today I'm speaking to one of our speakers at the uh, Potato Expo this year, uh, Michelle Conshu. Uh, she's an irrigated crop specialist with uh, the University of Lethbridge in Alberta, and she spoke to us uh, this week on irrigation management. Uh, welcome to Spud Chat, Michelle. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks, Ryan. So, um, Tell us a little bit about your work and your position in Lethbridge and sort of some of the types of projects that you work on. So we're very fortunate in Alberta to have um, irrigation in the southern part of the province. And we're at the University of Lethbridge. We're surrounded by agriculture and value-added industry. So the university um, offered me an opportunity recently to study irrigated crops in southern Alberta. And my position is largely research-based. Uh, although I do a small amount of teaching. Very good. And do potatoes make up a significant part of your research portfolio? They do, um, for two reasons. One is that most of my background has been working with the potato industry in southern Alberta. And the other reason is it's a very significant crop in the area and a significant water-using crop. And so 
we do have uh, targeted trials with the potato industry, but I also work with other irrigated crops. Right. So yesterday you were able to kind of give us a bit of a walkthrough on the different parts of irrigation, irrigation management and, you know, all the way from sort of why irrigate and, and, and how to irrigate in terms of like the timing, but also getting into a little bit of the technology, a little bit of the, you know, how do we, um, how we assess how much water we have uh, when we need to apply that sort of thing. When it comes to irrigation, what do you think is, what do you think is probably the, the thing that growers need to work on the the most or what's what's maybe the biggest you know from an extension standpoint or from a just a practical standpoint what where's the the biggest room for improvement i think really the biggest room for improvement is on timing and so um you would know here on the island if you get rain but you get rain when you didn't need it you don't get rain when you need it your crop isn't performing as well you'll lose some yield we find that as well that if you're irrigating but you don't irrigate in a timely fashion or you irrigate in a boom and bust fashion you often don't get your optimum yield and every time you miss that target it changes the trajectory for your maximum yield for that year so mistakes that you make early in the season can kind of um, follow you around to the end of the season so probably timing is the big thing we have many irrigators uh, a lot of them work very hard at it but some of them could still use some additional tools to get that timing right. When it comes to timing, I know I got a lot out of your presentation yesterday when you were showing some of the tools that people use to nail down their timing and when they need to irrigate and how much. And I know like some of the, even just the, the schedulers for your phone and that sort of thing. Um, you know, what are some of the tools that you use or that you work with growers uh, that use in terms of, you know, improving their timing and make sure that they're staying on top of that? Um, I've, I've worked with a few people with soil moisture probes. I know growers, some of the growers invest in their own soil moisture probes. They hire people. Um, but some of the modeling still seems to work really well. And, and we actually do have a few people in southern Alberta who hang out a shingle to guide growers. Some of them charge uh, by the acre to guide people on their irrigation management decisions, and they'll run a model for someone. So I think um, some of the best tools are still the crop models, but you got to go out to your field now and then and check and although there's a lot of potential with soil moisture sensors and some of the variable rate irrigation tools, still not seeing the delivery um, 100% for growers, but there's always an advantage to uh, working with some of these models to help you um, track your crop and get your timing right. Right. And you also gave a nice overview yesterday of some of the different soil moisture um, measuring tools. So all the way from, you know, hand feel, which I think, you know, most growers do and most growers are used to and that sort of thing, to, you know, the most technologically advanced options like the neutron probes and things that, you know, may be very good on a, on a research standpoint, but maybe a little less practical for the average grower. What have you, in terms of what you've worked with and what you're experienced with, what do you think has been, you know, perhaps the most uh, valuable or the most appropriate uh, in terms of the types of, say, moisture sensor work, work that you've worked with? Um, I've worked with a few moisture sensors, so certainly not all. Um, you know, a lot of them would tell you they're easy to use, they communicate well. I really enjoyed working with one out of the Netherlands uh, made by DACOM, um, but it is a little on the high side on price point. They do have good programming. It ties into, you know, forecasting models, but also on crop disease prevention models. Um, I've worked with CropX. I had a little trouble with communication on that, but it's a nice to use uh, compact design. 
Some of the others I've worked with are a little more trouble. And I have, you know, one research field to look after and they can still take up a lot of your time. So I still, I feel hand feel is still pretty valuable and the modeling is pretty valuable, but there's new technology coming all the time. And I think there's some technology here at the show that might improve growers' opportunities to monitor that soil moisture. But the modeling is still going to help as much as anything. For sure. And I know, like, I've played around with a few different sensors, too, working with growers. And, you know, some of them, they, they do seem to do it, you know, they, they're built to be user-friendly and that sort of thing. But um, sometimes they can have little challenges. And I find sometimes the challenge is, is even just going, it's uh, equipment that's maybe designed in, United States or in somewhere else and moving it to Canada, it's uh, getting onto say our cellular networks or, um, you know, they don't, we don't have the USDA, uh, you know, um, soil maps and stuff that they base off of and those sorts of things. So um, sometimes there's, there's little challenges with those, but they can be overcome and they can be worked with, but you know, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely challenges. Um, in terms of irrigation in Alberta, it's, it's, pretty much all meltwater, right? It's coming down off the Rockies and then it's going into reservoirs and that thing. How does how does it work for growers to get access to irrigation water? So it's a kind of complicated system. There is an irrigation um, act and the, the resource is considered a public resource. The water is kind of um, licensed by environment, Alberta environment, and then irrigation districts uh, are allowed to allocate water that they've been licensed to use. We do have some independent irrigators that can get a license directly from the environment to pull, say, from a river or a stream or create their own dugout. But the majority of people have water supplied by an irrigation district. And it's, I think, a technological wonder and irrigation engineering phenomenon that they can take water that comes at a time of year when we don't need the water, when spring runoff and spring melt occurs, uh, collected in reservoirs and then meter it out during the season to make sure that the people who need the water get the water. But we consider it what they call a closed um, a closed license. The allocation that we use for irrigation allows for water to get through to Saskatchewan because obviously we're upstream so we can't use more than our share. Um, and the allocation is not getting larger. So when you hear about irrigation expansion, that's using water that's already been allocated. It's just that we've improved efficiencies both in the delivery to farms and the distribution of water, and also in how growers are using that water. And by becoming more efficient, it allows additional acres to be irrigated. The downside is the growers that have invested in irrigation efficiency don't get the additional water. So that water will then go to potentially new irrigators or uh, new industries, anybody that needs water from that source. So it's quite a complicated process, but it is considered kind of a closed basin. And it's we're using the same allocation and we're irrigating more acres for more yield than ever before. And that's all due to some efficiencies that have been introduced and a lot of uh, foresight and uh, innovation and innovative producers that are getting out I know here in PEI, sometimes we'll see releases on the investments in infrastructure in Alberta and, and Saskatchewan in irrigation and we, we can't help sometimes be a little envious because until recently we couldn't even pay to drill our own wells <laughs> or, or to put in our own uh, infrastructure. So, uh, you know, it is it is interesting. But thankfully, you know, there does seem to be a little bit more of a appetite for at least looking at supplemental irrigation here in the not too distant future. 
Um, yesterday, you talked a little bit about variable uh, rate irrigation, and I guess that's part of the process and part of the discussion around water use efficiency. But you indicated that, you know, you've seen where it maybe has a lot of promise, but we're not there yet. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think the potential's there. I'm really excited about the concept and the technology. It's another precision ag tool. So similar to precision nitrogen application, where you would want to apply your nitrogen on the parts of the field that are likely to be most productive and where that nitrogen's needed, you can do the same with water. Um, there are companies that produce systems that will allow you to micromanage uh, small polygons in your field by turning nozzles on and off or changing the speed at which the pivot passes over them. And by doing that, you should be able to maximize the, the use of the water by putting it where it's needed and not overwatering other areas. The downside is right now we're relying very much on um, some technology and some human interaction in order to determine where that water should go. So there's still people um, helping develop like SWAT maps and other things to show what part of the field uh, has different, say, topography or electrical conductivity. Um, and what parts of the field would be better using that water. And then we also have um, challenges determining uh, maybe the crop stage of growth and, and how quickly it's using the water. So I think there's, there's, there's booths here, there's people here working on solving that problem and that will make it really useful. But a lot of the growers that put variable rate irrigation use it mostly to not water the low spots in their field. And so it's not reaching its full potential yet, but the potential's still there. Yeah. No, like with everything with precision agriculture, it's there's a lot of potential and it's about turning that potential into, I would say, uh, relatively simply simple to implement, uh, uh, you know, options for growers. And that always seems to take a little time to get there. Um, I want to thank you for coming and uh, visiting us out in PEI and speaking to the growers out here. I know everybody I talked to uh, gave great reviews on your presentation yesterday. My uh, final question on Spud Chat is always, um, what is your favorite uh, variety of potato? Do you have one? Uh, is it a variety that maybe for research or is it more just for eating? What's uh, wh What do you think? That's a kind of a fun question. Um, I get asked quite a bit. And the downside of doing variety trials is a lot of the varieties I get to taste um, either don't have a name or maybe don't reach the marketplace. But there are some that I've really enjoyed. And I have to say, uh, I prefer a wet textured potato. So no offense to the French fry growers out there. But if I'm going to eat a potato, I really like some of the fresh market ones. And I've had uh, the pleasure of meeting a few. Um, Amandine is one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, I think I think... Probably any wet textured potato would do, but um, but that's a very nice potato. I've also used um, bellanita, a little fingerling, um, some of those roasted with a little olive oil in the oven. Those are nice potatoes. So I think it just depends how you like to cook them. But yeah, those are my faves. Well, thanks very much for uh, joining us here in PEI.